<coughs> oh, is that the time already? Did anyone else get a Percy Pig Easter egg for Easter? No? Oh, no, I would have put mine down and shared it with you if I'd have known. Although I do keep telling my wife that Percy pigs are not for sharing. <laughs> Kevin said, keep it short this morning. He said it was going to be a short service. Just make sure I've got all my notes. One, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> <clears throat> what a day. What a day. Somebody at the start of this week, I heard them say on next Sunday, we shall be celebrating the second most important event of the Easter story. I nearly fainted. The second most important event of the Easter story? And it was more, more the person who said it, actually, that surprised me. The Gospel consists of three words. Death, burial, resurrection. You can't separate them. You can't have one without the other two, or one, two without the other one. Today is as equally as important Friday. And equally as important as the time that the body of Christ spent in the tomb. For this is Resurrection Day. Just four quotes from Scripture, one Kevin touched on before, but from Matthew he writes, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified, but he's not here. He has risen, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. And then Mark writes, don't be alarmed, said the man in the white robe. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who was crucified. He's risen, he's not here. See the place where they laid him. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. And then Luke writes, as they approached the village where they were staying, it appeared as if Jesus was going further, but they strongly urged him to stay with them. For it was nearly evening, so he stayed. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognised him. And John writes, Woman, he said, Why are you crying? That's Jesus. Who is it that you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she cried out to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. I can never read those words without getting a lump in my throat. Have you ever heard Jesus call your name? Mary. She didn't even have to look round. She knew who it was. <clears throat> the risen Lord. 
Matthew and Mark confirm his resurrection. Luke and John confirm that it was fully recognisable in his risen body. You know, we live in a broken world. Have you noticed, have you really noticed, generally speaking, there's not much happiness around, is there? There really is not much happiness around. We live in a broken world. But you know, from today, on this day, 2,000 years ago, Christians have a message of hope. A message of hope. But we don't proclaim it, do we? And Paul was worried about this when he wrote to the church at Corinth. I'm glad Kevin started at verse 20, because the rest is down to verse 19. But Paul writes, Now, brothers, I want you to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as a first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the message. That's the gospel. That's what Paul took to the church at Corinth. Death, burial, resurrection. And now probably just a few years after he had set up the church there in Corinth, he was having to write to remind them of one of those three things. Which one was it that he had to remind them about? The resurrection. Why does it take third place? in so many people, in so many Christians aren't. For what I received, I passed on to you. <coughs> of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised. And that he appeared to Peter, then to the twelve, after that, he appeared to more than 500 people, the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Moving on to verse 12. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise Christ if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. More than all men. This whole chapter is one of Paul's greatest discussions on a topic that he ever wrote. 
take it home with you. Read it through the whole chapter time and time again. You need to deal with it. We can't have, we can't have the resurrection forgotten. We can't have it relegated. It is there. It is the cornerstone of our faith. If it didn't happen, we might as well all go home now, enjoy the rest of the day, and do whatever we want to do for the rest of our lives. Because when it comes to an end, it comes to an end. The guys who go out on the door, don't you hear it time after time? When you're dead, you're dead. There's nothing beyond that. Wrong. Man was created for eternity. Man was created for eternity. God has set eternity in men's hearts. I'll try and stick to me notes. And it's not like some believe that it's just a sort of existence of your spirit somewhere floating around. No, no, no. Oh, no, no, no. It's a full bodily resurrection. And you will be recognised just as Jesus was recognised. Hopefully there'll be a few modifications. But you will be raised. I was asked earlier in the week, does being cremated make any difference? Wasn't I? Hmm thought about it you know because I did hear somebody actually a sermon on it but somebody did speak about it once and sort of saying you know God God made us this body it is you know we're fearfully and wonderfully made and even when we die you know to, to the inference was to actually insult God's work and stick it in an oven is a little off, off you know off kilter I firmly believe that you simply become dust a little bit quicker if you're cremated rather than buried. And that's the only difference. But that's a personal view. I wouldn't offend anybody who believed any different. Because, you see, in 2 Daniel, got it somewhere, 12, sorry, Daniel chapter 12, verse 2. Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake. Do you honestly think it's beyond God to put a few thousand molecules together? To bring you back to life? No, of course it isn't. This is the God who calls it. I was thinking the other day, the scripture it gets it right, doesn't it? The story of Jonah. God caused a large fish to be there to swallow Jonah. And over the years, people have argued, oh, there's no fish, you know, that ever lived that could swallow a man. No, there probably wasn't. God did it for that purpose. He created a fish for that very purpose, to swallow Jonah, hold it in his stomach for three days, spew him out, and then suddenly that fish disappeared. And scientists and biologists and goodness knows whoever else have never been able to find a fish that could swallow a man and keep him alive for three days in its stomach. We worship the God of the impossible, and so often you wouldn't think so, would you? Smile. We worship a God of the impossible. 
I was watching some of you while we were singing. Now, I know Kevin was getting you to sing, and it's very difficult, isn't it, to put power in your voice and keep a smile on your face at the same time. <laughs> But what wonderful words we were singing. And to what a wonderful saviour we were singing them. But he is the God of the impossible. Don't worry about things he sings. Some of us did, you know, second place in the... According to Tom Wright, my, my current favourite man, Tom Wright, um, they did a, a survey amongst Church of England bishops. And you wouldn't believe the number that had doubts about the resurrection had doubts about the full bodily resurrection. It's a fact. It's going to happen. Why would, why would God, you know, he, in the beginning God created, and he created man, uh, humankind. And he saw that it was good. Sin entered his world. One day he's going to get rid of that and we shall return to how God wanted us to be in the first place. Having communion with him. He doesn't want to be surrounded by a lot of spirits floating around in the sky. No, he wants to see what he created. And that is how you will be resurrected in recognisable bodily form. With a few modifications. He will clean us up. I was thinking that, you know, when... thinking of, of, of Friday, Friday and, and, and Christ having taken all that bit in in the courtyard and the Roman soldiers and the scars and the wounds on his body and the open wounds where his flesh had been torn, and then having to walk through the dusty streets with the flies, with the dried blood, and the sand and, and, and the dust blowing into those wounds to, to, to cause more pain and more agony. And that he hung on the cross in pain, and they had to rush him off the cross because the Sabbath was coming and that was very important. So they had to get him off the cross and they stuck him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. But when they saw him on Sunday, he was clean. God didn't raise a dirty saviour. God didn't raise one who had scars all over his body from the whippings and the beatings and the bruises. All that remained were the scars from the crucifixion, which I believe will remain for eternity as a constant reminder of what Jesus laid down for you and me. But other than that, when he rose, and we often say three days, but it wasn't really three days, was it? it was like a two-night overstay. Just one day, really. God wasn't going to leave him. And when he rose there, just 36 hours later, he was clean and healed, risen in his perfect state. And that's exactly how you and I will be raised 
Not physically, yes, physically, obviously. If people are, are physically disabled in this life, that will be healed, there will be no sickness. But spiritually as well, we will be raised in perfection, raised to life, to enjoy eternity with the Saviour who died for us and with our brothers and sisters. Recognise. I don't know if you'll recognise me with hair. <laughs> you may. I'll have my own teeth back though. But it's a hope that we have, is it not? Do you think of it every day? I'll quote Alistair Begg, as I often do. He said, the Christians should preach the gospel to themselves every day. The Christians should preach the gospel to themselves every day. Do you get up in the morning and preach the gospel to yourself? Tell you what a fortunate person you are and what a blessed person you are. That you know the Lord Jesus Christ and he is your saviour. We'll forgive the Cornishman for causing trouble. <laughs> so here we have it, the cornerstone. The cornerstone of our Christian faith. The resurrection of our Lord Jesus. And the good thing, of course, is this. It, it, it doesn't end with Jesus. It doesn't end with Jesus, is it? Everybody's going to be resurrected. Someone asked me a question a few, few weeks ago now. You know, the scripture tells us, doesn't it? You know, that the dead in Christ, when he comes, the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we that are living will be caught up into the glory with him. And someone says, what happens to those who don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, they will be resurrected too. Because once again, going back to Daniel chapter 12, I only read half of the verse. But Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Everybody will be raised. Everybody will be raised back to life. But only those that are raised by Christ will go to eternal Paradise, as the word is, isn't it? Paradise. But there will be others who will be raised who will go to everlasting, everlasting shame and contempt. And Paul was worried. And so he should be. Because these Christians at Corinth... were disbelieving, were demoting, were relegating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ to a position that it really didn't matter. As long as you believe in the crucifixion, that your sins are forgiven, that you're on your way to heaven, fine. Let's not concentrate and worry too much 
about resurrection because that's where they keep, you know, it may be that, that they were getting too much ridicule. Uh, you dead people don't come alive. Once you're dead, you're dead. And Paul has to write to them. And I mean, this is only, I don't know, 25, 30 years after the actual event took place that the Corinthians are beginning to forget it already. And it's very easy to look at a church like that, isn't it? And criticise, but what we need to do is to look inside ourselves. And where do we place the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because if it didn't happen for him, it's not going to happen for you. Paul is very clear here. And if our hope and our trust is in this life only, what fools we are. Because I repeat again, we were created for eternity. It was never God's intention that man should die. It's only if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. But as scripture tells us, just as one man brought sin into the world, one man also took it out. As one man brought death into the world, another man brought life into the world. And the importance of the resurrection. Those who deny the resurrection are not simply tinkering with the negotiable element of Christian belief. They interfere with the non-negotiable. We may find ourselves at odds over some doctrines or opinions. And there are times even as Christians that we have to agree to disagree. But on this occasion, there's no room for negotiation. There is no room for disagreement. To use a worldly term, all bets are off. It happened. It happened for a purpose, and that purpose was that you and I will one day be risen and taken to be with the risen Lord. Isn't that a hope worth living for? There's no hope for these people outside, and that's not a criticism. That, 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 in, in many respects, I, I should be crying in desperation for them because they are going to a lost eternity. They've got nothing to look forward to. I know I quoted the film before, uh, um, that, that film before about dead, dead man walking. We're all dead men walking. Isn't it? That's a sad... <laughs> Sorry. <I don't... clears throat> you can smile while I say this, really, because it's... Uh, but we are, aren't we? Dead men walking. What, what, what is there? What's the future? What, what is the one thing in the future that you can be absolutely sure of? That you're going to die. 
I can never remember the full story, but the, the story told of, a, of, a, uh, of an older man speaking to a, a young student, and he said, what are your hopes for life? I said, well, he said, I, obviously the next step is to get my degree. He said, and what then? He said, well, he said, I, I, he said, I might do another couple of years perhaps and, and, um, and, and, and get a PhD, and what then? He said, well, obviously I might have a year off and, and, and go and enjoy myself. And, uh, and what then? He said, well, hopefully get a job. Make a life for myself. And what then? He said, well, he said, hopefully build up a nice uh, kitty and, and be able to retire early to Paynton or some other such beautiful spot. And, and what then? Well, I should enjoy my retirement with my, hopefully with my children and my grandchildren. And what then? He said, well, I said, I suppose at the end of it, I shall probably die. And what then? And what then? Christ overcame death. Christ overcame death and he overcame it for everybody. Not just Christians and believers, he overcame it for everybody. And really that verse, chapter 12 and verse 2 in Daniel should speak volumes to us all. Should speak volumes to us all. Where you stand this morning. Still locked in the fear of death. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who hasn't... I think sometimes it's a bit of bravado, but I've never met anybody who doesn't, in some state or uh, relationship, fear death. It's the end, isn't it? All that you've worked for, all that you put your, your talents and, and uh, strength into, all the, 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 the things that you've shown your love to and, and, and lovingly cared for, I don't know if it was Rockefeller or one such person, somebody else him, you know, you can't take it with you, you know. He said, in that case, I'm not going. <laughs> but you can't take it with you. All that you strive for, all that man strives for in this world. I think it was wonderful. It, 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 it might drive me to tears this morning, really. <laughs> but it drove me to tears when I got home on Monday afternoon. I thoroughly enjoyed and giving thanks for the life of Shirley. But I was speaking to Roy Glooning afterwards. Man has been given an absolute maximum of two years to live, I believe, if I heard him right. Probably less. But he said, I'm not worried, you know. <laughs> I'm not worried. And he meant it because Roy, if you know Roy, you will know the sort of man he is. And what a joy it was to just hold his arm and say, you've no need to be Roy. 
You've no need, Leroy. You're going to be with the Lord that you have loved for these years. And isn't that a comfort? Isn't that a wonder that you can say that to somebody? Because they know where they're going and they know that there is eternity waiting for them. That the Saviour who died for him is going to be there to welcome him with open arms. You can have that assurance, you know. It's, it's so easy to come by. It's so easy to come by. The sinner's prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And don't you just love Jesus' words after that? That man went away justified by simply saying that prayer, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Recognise him before God. Recognise him before your Lord and Saviour that you are a sinner, that you've gone astray that you're not living the life that God would want you to live. Jesus got to the tomb of Lazarus four days late. Martha said, oh, if you'd have been, it'd have been all right. Where, where you been? Jesus replied, don't worry. I am the resurrection and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The resurrection of Jesus Christ relegated to third place out of the three? No, no, no. It is the gospel. And the gospel should never, re should never be preached without reference to the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he is our hope. This is a religion of the future. I don't know what hope others uh, give. It might satisfy a need now in some way. But what we have is eternity. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. There will be a new you. But people will recognise you, just as they recognise Jesus. Because we too will be risen in the same way that he was risen. Because there was no... If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Jesus wasn't resurrected. But Jesus was resurrected. And it's very important to note, I think, I nearly missed this out because it's a very important point, that nowhere in Scripture um, or the gospel, any of the Gospel writers ever speak about Jesus rising from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead and he was raised by his father almighty God Jesus didn't raise himself he didn't suddenly wake up and think oh another miracle no 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 he was raised from the dead by the mighty work of God 
And the same God that created man raised his son from the dead and that same God will raise you and me one day. The decision that you have to make this morning, according to the book of Daniel, is whether you will be one who will go to glory or one who will go to everlasting contempt. Shut off from God's presence. Shut off from the company and the love and any love that God has to offer. We won't go into detail because this is a story about resurrection. Just be sure before you leave this place this morning that you know where you are going. And you can. You can have that assurance. You don't have to, you don't have to spend the next 20, 30, 40, 50, or in my case, half a dozen years <laughs> worrying about where you're likely to go. Because you can be sure today where you're going to go if you put your trust in the risen Christ.